Will you turn once again with me to the fourth chapter of Hebrews? And we spent a little time here in this fourth chapter. Looking at the points made, like as we see in verse 6, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter. There are those who still must be called. What hope that gives us for our children who still walk in darkness? For our grandchildren? You know, I've only got two children, two great-grandchildren, or two, two children, two grandchildren, and two great-grandchildren. Some of you got way more than that. I can imagine how it weighs on your hearts at times. Lord, are they yours? Oh, the assurance that we know that if they are, He will not leave them to themselves. He's shown us, hasn't He? He's shown us, you and I, those of us who know His truths by His grace, by His mercy have been revealed the truths of His Word to us. He's shown us that in the day of His love, He will come and call His people, all of them. So we've, we've looked at that in, in, in a little bit deeper thought there, that verse 6. Uh, seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. We've also looked at uh, let us labor therefore in verse 11 to enter into that rest. That there is a work for us to do. We don't just say okay the Lord has saved us and now sit back and, and do nothing. He who began a good work in us, Paul said, I am confident that he who began a good work in you We'll complete it till the day of His coming. We'll finish it till the day of His coming. This morning we come to verses 15 and or verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. That we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you ever find yourself without a time of need? You know, since I've retired, I, I've actually kept myself pretty busy up until for some reason this last year, these last six months. It just seems like I find myself, <laughs> quit laughing at me, Roger. <laughs> You and I talked about this the other day. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like I spend more time now standing there looking out the window with nothing to do. And you would think to yourself, okay, well he really has no, no need if that's all he's going to do is stand there and look out the window. He's got no need. But I do have need. I still find myself when I've got nothing to do and nothing but a green yard to look out and bask upon that I have a need. Because even in my enjoyment, even in what I hold as precious to this world, it's all stuff that's going to burn up. 
It's all stuff that's going to pass away. I have friends and family who are sick. I have loved ones who still walk in darkness. We can find a need, can't we? God's throne of grace is open to you and I to come to that throne. Not on any merits that we have of our own. Not for anything that we have done to deserve it. But because of what His Son has done. Because of His perfect righteousness. Because of His perfect righteousness being imputed to us. We have that right to come before God and say, Thy will be done. Because that's what coming before the throne of grace is. Brother Don Forter wrote this. He says, I do not pretend to know much about prayer, but I do know that God, what God has taught me and is teaching me that prayer is one of the most important aspects of every believer's life. Now I want to stop there because I want to make a point. As the people of God, we understand that our prayers do not change our God. When God asks a question, He's not asking a question to find the answer. He's asking the question that we might see the answer. That we who don't know what God's will might see the answer. Our prayers don't change what God has purposed for us. It's us admitting that He's the one who controls it all. He's the one who works out. If Judy is to live any longer, it's because God has purposed it for her to do so. If she is to go to be with Him today, and I hope that is so. Oh, how mean. You know what? Pastor Gene does too. I would be okay if the Lord took me out of this world today. I would be sad if He took my wife, but I would be okay with it. Because I know where she is at. If he took my son, I'd be even sadder because I don't think my son knows who God is. You get my point? Our prayers don't change God's will. They are an admission that His will shall be. Don goes on to say, yet it is also one with which we struggle constantly. It's an important aspect of every believer's life, yet it is one that we struggle with constantly. It's a subject about which there is enormous confusion, even among God's elect. Don says, I cannot think of a single time in Scripture which gives us more encouragement and more reason to pray than what we see right here in Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly. That means praying to the Lord, to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in times of need. First off, notice then what it is we come to. We come to a throne. What is a throne? It's the place of rule. It's the authority. The sovereignty. It's the rule. We approach God on His throne. We rejoice to know Him that His throne is the throne upon which our God and our Savior sit, from which He rules the universe. 
is called the throne of grace. That means the grace that He gives is because He wants to give it. And only for that reason. It's not merited by men. It's not something we can earn. It's not something the free will religionist can just say, okay, I want it today. I've noticed several people who believe in that form of doctrine who have been baptized more than once. Why would they be baptized more than once? Oh, because I left the Lord for a while. You know what? God won't let you leave Him if you belong to Him. Oh, you think you're leaving him. Think about Jonah. Do you think Jonah thought he was leaving him when he was running? When he ran down to the seaside to get on that ship? Do you think he was getting away from God? <laughs> yeah, that's not the God of Scriptures, is it? You think you might be getting away from God, but if you belong to Him, you sure are not. We come to the throne of grace. It was once called the mercy seat. Did you know that? It was once called the mercy seat, but now it's called the throne of grace. In drawing near to God in prayer, we come to God upon His throne. No one approaches God who does not approach Him upon that throne. He who is God Almighty is the great and glorious monarch of the universe who sits upon the throne of total, absolute, sovereign rule. A man by the name of William J. wrote these words. He says, when God enacts laws, he is a, on a throne of legislation. When he administers these laws, he is on a throne of government. When he tries his creatures by these laws, he is on the throne of judgment. But when he receives petitions and dispenses favors, he is on a throne of grace. The idea of a throne inspires awe, does it not? Imagine ourselves coming before a king. Now I know in today's world, kings don't seem to be much. But imagine yourself coming to the dinner table with the President of the United States. What if, what if you got an invitation, and I'll use a different name than the President that's in there now, because I, I would imagine some of you might, might throw the invitation right away. But, but let's say it was President Reagan. If President Reagan invited you to come to have lunch with him would you not would you not be kind of awestruck a little bit about it I mean here you are you're gonna go and sit down and eat with the one who has all power in the United States well as much power as we give him but the most powerful one in the state in fact some might even say he has the most power in all of all of the world outside of God Almighty would you not be awe? Would you not be like, oh, really? What? I don't know if I can do that. I don't, I don't. He would sit with me? Well, that's what it is to come to a throne, is it not? 
It almost is bordering on a feeling of terror. It almost re repels us. I, I don't know if I can go sit with him. He's, he's, he's way above me. I'm just this little puny person, this little beggar who's out here trying to struggle through life and, and, and get by. I don't know if I can sit knee with that person. They're, they're just, they're, they're too far above me. Few of us could approach this throne without trembling. Yet here is the throne of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the scepter of total sovereignty, absolute holiness, immutable justice, saying, Come, come boldly before this great King, the greatest earthly monarch that ever wore a crown is but a worm compared to him. Before him all nations of men are less than nothing and vanity. We've used this example many times, but it fits here right now. That publican who was in the synagogue, where was he? Where was he? He was approaching the throne of grace, but he approached it with humbleness, with fear. I'm undeserving. I don't deserve to have a meal with this President of the United States. I've done nothing special to sit with him. I've done nothing, absolutely nothing, for God to look upon me and invite me to come before his throne. But that's what he does, doesn't he? He invites us to come. Prayer is coming to God upon his throne. If we would come to God, we must come to him as a king. We must bow before him with reverence, with confidence that what he says he will do, and submission to what he says is right. Faith in its essence and in all of its exercises is surrender to the Lord God as our great King. In prayer we come to this great King as one who gives as a King. We ask great things from a great King and we ask great things with expectation that He can and will and is able to give those great things. Lord, save me. Lord, be merciful unto me, a sinner. Do you know no one will ever call him Lord through their spirit unless the spirit has done a work in them? You can't even call him Lord. You won't. You won't come to God unless he has come to you first. And then he reveals himself, his glory. It is in this hearing the prayers of the needy and the dispensing of grace to them that our great God and King is honored and glorified. It is upon his throne of grace that God our Savior 
is revealed in His glory. You may remember that this throne of grace is that which Isaiah saw over in Isaiah chapter 6. If you would, turn over to Isaiah chapter 6 with me. Isaiah describes this throne here in Isaiah chapter 6 beginning at verse 1 in the year that King Uzziah died I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple does that not give you a picture of majesty? Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. Verse 3, And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke then said I woe is me here's that publican at the, over in the, against the wall over in the corner woe is me for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the king the lord of hosts Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal. This is the gospel, the burning gospel coming to, to Isaiah. A coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs off of the altar. And he said, and he laid it upon my mouth. And said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. It was typified in the mercy seat which was upon the ark of the covenant of the Old Testament where atonement was made. This is what John beheld in Revelation chapter 4 and 5 where he saw the lamb that had been slain. When he saw the throne of God and the lamb, he saw the rainbow encircling the throne declaring that every act of the throne is according to God's covenant grace and it's represented in the rainbow. He saw the book of God. The book of God's decrees full and complete and sealed. Then he saw the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the crucified Lamb of God, rise up in the midst of the throne. He saw the God-man take the book and open it. He it is who is the center of all these decrees. He it is who opens and fulfills them in providence. Turn over to Revelation 5 for me, with me just for a moment. Revelation 5. Look with me if you would at beginning at verse 9. And they sung a new song. Revelation 5 verse 9. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof for thou wast slain 
and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation and hast made us unto our God kings and priests. We shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And every creature which is in heaven on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. It is here, it is there where we just read in Christ the crucified Lamb that God sitting upon the throne that we behold God's majesty and His mercy. We see His justice in His Son giving Himself in our place as our substitute being satisfied, His justice being satisfied by the perfect blood of His Son and His grace is distributed, His truth and His goodness are given to us. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Speaking of our high priest, which we've read much about in these last few Sundays, having therefore, brethren, verse 19, having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh and having an high priest over the house of God let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. The Lord God to whom we come and before whom we bow and pray to even in hearing prayer acts as a sovereign but whose sovereignty is especially over the sovereignty of grace it is this throne the throne the great God that poor sinners are bidden to come oh what a privilege this is all who come to the throne of grace have free audience with the king of grace now let's close with these thoughts it says come boldly let us therefore come boldly unto God upon the throne through the merit and the mediation of Christ our Savior, our great high priest. It says come boldly, that is to say freely, without fear, pouring out our hearts to our Heavenly Father. Come with reverence as before God our King. Come boldly with all the freeness of a child. 
to the most loving Father imaginable. Remember, He who is the God of the universe is our Heavenly Father. We have every reason to expect Him to do us good. Read Romans chapter 8. Come in every time of need, for every kind of mercy, for all the grace that might be needed. Expect Him to supply the need for our Savior's sake, Christ Jesus. Amen.